welcome to the game of crowdfunding road to relaunch edition part five we are back to talk more gothic doctor with my friend on on google hangout gotta remember where we are for a second <laughs> who's joining me once again as always it is doug levandowski from meltdown games we are going to discuss gothic doctor again and relaunching which is coming up fast and furious on us doug Oh, my God. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right. So we've got a mishmash of topics, I believe, for this evening. Where yep. would you like to start, sir? Let's start with, I would say, probably the the bigger one, which is the preview page to get feedback from everybody. We launched that uh, a couple weeks ago. We've gotten some feedback from it. We've made some changes based on it, and we've not made some changes based on feedback, too. So right. I was figuring we'd talk about the fine line between taking feedback and you know, respectfully declining to take feedback. All right. Where do you start that filtering process then for yourself? As always, you know, you got to consider the source. So I'm part of a group on uh, Facebook, Kickstarter Best Practices, which if anybody's thinking about launching a Kickstarter ever, you should be a part of to see the the chatter that goes on there and to see the, the ideas getting bounced back and forth. It's a really great supportive community. Yeah, if I remember right, that was like early on in our discussions, we kind of traded, here's Facebook groups, and you had asked me do you, if I knew of any that were more active than some of the ones that you had kind of uh, attempted yeah. in the past. And yeah. uh, uh, that is definitely one that I recommend uh, to a lot of people when, when I start talking to them. And Doug's very active over there now, and I'm active off and on. Uh, lately it's been a little less on, but, uh, I at least check in and see what's going on. But, uh, yeah, that is definitely a great one. There are some people I know and I talk to that are like, one, I want nothing to do with Facebook, which I think is a disservice to basically your overall promotion plan. For sure. And two, because there, there is such an, an active community if you know where to look. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of those options and one of those communities that is very active, that will give you feedback, will not pull punches sometimes when giving you feedback. <laughs> not at all, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you are going to get feedback. And I think one thing to probably keep in mind is even though, again, somebody's talking potentially about your baby, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they are truly there with uh, a ton of experience, uh, a ton of dealing with Kickstarter projects. And, and really, at the end of the day, regardless of how it seems to you and comes out, they are, are trying to help you. Right. Yeah. Critiquing is, and I think this is something that it's easy to forget when you're being critiqued, but like critiquing is an act of love in a way. You know, it, if people didn't care about your project, they would say, oh, that looks great. Thank you. And then move on. Or they wouldn't even be part of the group in the first place. So the the people who are on there saying, here's the thing, you need to reshoot your video. Here's the thing, your levels don't make sense. Here's the thing, you know, you got to get new art or, or whatever. They're doing that because they care about you and they care about your project. They want to see you succeed. And if I think if you go into feedback with that in mind, I think you're going to be much, much better off in general. Yes. And I think one of the other things that's very important, and this is across the board, I think, when you're, when you're looking at dealing with a community, and I think we've kind of talked about this, uh, off and on, Doug, but mm-hmm. I, I think especially in that group, it's even more important, maybe, but don't join the group to promote yourself. And I think we see that off and on and we see somebody that's obviously they, they don't care if they get feedback or not. They're just hoping it's one more place that they can post their campaign. Right. 
Now, typically, the best w- some of the best ways to come in, especially to this group that we're talking about, the uh, Kickstarter best practices and lessons, is come in early. So maybe before you've got your preview page ready or you're still working on it, have a look around, start giving feedback yourself or asking questions even. Uh, say, hey, I'm in a similar situation. You know, How are you dealing with this? And Anything to kind of interact a bit and, and show that you're there for the community and to join the community. And then right. when you're ready, share it and be genuine about needing feedback and wanting feedback and interacting with people. And I think that goes a long way, especially in that community, to getting people on your side. Yeah. And I don't want to name names, but there was one in particular recently, and I'll try to be as vague as possible here, (laughs) where the person got feedback that was necessary, that was tough to hear for sure. But, you know, the project needed some work. And then the person came back and posted after their project funded for a really modest goal. Well, you guys were all wrong. I told you it would fund and here it is. And it funded. (laughs) Yeah. And so I went over to the Kickstarter page to see to to see if I was right about what their goal was and saw that they had taken a lot of the feedback the group had given. <laughs> uh, there was some different artwork on there and, and stuff like that. And I was just like, dude, like even if even if you say that to yourself, even if you say, well, I showed those bastards, like just keep it to yourself. You know, you again, it's that idea of the people who are your toughest critics are the ones who really want to see you succeed. The people who are going to blow smoke up your ass are the people who don't who don't care as much. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, that you, you kind of touched on is there's a difference between just mildly funding and being a very successful project, and some of that can come down to implementing feedback. Right. But yeah. <laughs> back to the original topic at hand, how do we decide what feedback is valuable to your specific project versus feedback that you're not going to implement? Because you can't right. implement everything and everybody doesn't know the specific situation around your project. Sure. So I would say there's a, a couple different kinds of feedback. There's the, the feedback about the page and then there's feedback about the game. You know, I talked before about some of the playtesting stuff we were doing. We're getting playtesting data in. And we are getting some suggestions about changing the game or some of the, the graphic design stuff. And then there's feedback about how the page looks and, you know, what what's good on there and, and what needs to be changed there. I think the easier stuff to figure out what to take and what not to take is the stuff about the page and the stuff about how things look on there. For the most part, I go into that thinking, OK, I should take this feedback. Let me figure out how. And unless it's completely off base, because that is... That is the the, mar- the more marketing end of things for Kickstarter. It's, you know, somebody looked at this and thought, okay, I see this as lacking. And like you and I have talked about with stuff like videos, if you have one, the people who want to see the video will have it. If you don't have it, the people who don't, who do care about having a video won't have it. Right. Yep. But the people who don't care, if you do have it, will just say, okay, I don't need to watch that. And for things like that, you know, having some stuff about one of the pieces of feedback we got was developing our risks and reward stuff a little bit because our funding goal between this time and last time is pretty different based on, you know, negotiating stuff with our printer and, and figuring out how to print a smaller run if we, you know, just fund and things like that. And so we added a little bit in there about that to clarify that for people. And so almost all of the, the superficial feedback on the page is a, I think if you don't take it, you should have a really good reason not to take it. On the other hand, there's the, then there's the stuff about the game. And as people check out the print and play, as people check out 
some of the decks we sent out to people who have agreed to play test for us, then we're getting stuff back in about, well, I don't like this layout, or I don't think you should have different, you should have more patience, or you should have cards that do this or, or that do that. And that feedback is tougher to decide whether to take or not. I think it's, it's a good idea to go into feedback thinking, okay, what if this is true? And sitting down and really thinking about, okay, what if we did this? And it's tougher because that, you know, like you said, that's your baby. You know, that's the, the thing that you've been working on. And people might be right. There are people who gave us feedback about the game who, you know, were, were spot on in some of the early stages and, and really made it what it is now. At this point, though, a lot of that feedback on the rules of the, the main game itself, those are pretty fixed. We're, you know, a pe- couple people have suggested having uh, treatment cards that are also action cards. It's not going to happen because that's so different in what we're thinking about with the game right now. And so for stuff like that, I think you have to ask yourself, would this make the game more of what it's, you know, well on its way to becoming, or would this radically change the game and make it, you know, something completely different? Gothic Doctor is not going to be a worker placement game. It's not going to be an in-depth Euro. It's going to be, you know, some light time and hand management and, you know, a, a good theme and, and a fun time and really phenomenal art and, you know, solid mechanics. So it's a matter when you're getting that feedback of saying, what is it that's in keeping and can make something better? What problems are there with the game? Has the person pointed out a problem that you hadn't noticed before? So one of the variants that we're playtesting right now with uh, some folks we met at cons and here and there is doing something with partial treatments. And the way that works is you would have uh, cubes that you would place over the treatments as you discard cards from your hand, but you wouldn't have to treat a patient all the way. So if you put two treatments down on a vampire, you can come back and do the next one later. But somebody can come back in and steal it. That's the, the short, short version of that. Well, one of the problems that people pointed out was with the card layout, the one centimeter cubes are a little bit too big. And so we either have to find smaller cubes, which is unlikely in a real serious choking hazard, or we have to space out those treatment icons a little bit more. And so if the feedback we get from the playtesters is, yeah, we like this version of the game, then that's something we're going to have to take a look at. One of the things that a couple people have said is the background on this kind of patient and on this kind of patient look a little bit too similar. We're having a tough time just visually discerning them. And that's really great feedback. We looked at it and we said, yes, we see it. For that, you know, especially if you get multiple people telling you the same thing, and it's not some big radical change that's going to fundamentally shift what the game is. You know, hey, I think you guys should have dice instead of cards. You know, something like that. If it's something smaller than that, then I think, sure. I mean, you know, this is feedback that people are giving you in all sincerity that they think would make your game better. You know, it's certainly worth very, very carefully considering and trying to make the game as, as good as it possibly can be. Right. And I, and again, I think you're, you're talking about something that a lot of people need to kind of keep in mind. And again, it, it's, it's filtered feedback like you're talking about. I mean, you're not going to make radical changes to your game, but you, you do have to be open to certain feedback because, uh, depending on what your play test and blind play test situation is, especially, uh, if you kind of put out a, a print and play and people are, are starting to check it out and you're starting to hear the same three, four things over and over again that maybe, you know, your localish group or whatever didn't pick up on. It's not the way that they're used to looking at a game. It's definitely something that you want to think about and consider. 
And I think, I think it's nice to hear Doug because, uh, I, we've told it in even the road to relaunch before, but you know, we had suggestions on icons and stuff like that. And at first you were like, no, these are the icons. And, and you had said, <laughs> right. You played it and made the same mistake that we did because of the uh-huh. icon. Yeah. That was, that was a hell of a moment. Uh. <laughs> When somebody tells you, no, you can't treat that werewolf with those two treatments, and you go, I knew that. <laughs> oh, <good> God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a big moment for me, actually, thinking about really actually thinking about, is this person right? You know, first time Kickstarter kind of stuff. You know, we've talked about before how maybe your first game shouldn't be your first game. And, you know, I think Gothic Doctor, we've we've done enough with it that it's <laughs> no longer our first game, even if it was our <laughs> first game. You know, that was a big moment for me to say, Oh, okay. So this is how I have to approach it now. Yeah. So it's, it's great if you can take yourself kind of outside of the game and, and, and outside right. of the way you look at the game and go, okay, this person is offering this piece of feedback. Let me try to see it from their aspect, from their perspective. And can I see it? And maybe even, cause again, it is you, it is your game. Maybe even going to one of your local groups that, that may not be thinking that way, uh, one of your playtest groups and go, okay, we got this feedback. What do you think of this? Right. Can you see this being an issue? Can, you know, and, and again, it's, it's the whole gathering data thing. And it's the, if you really truly want to be a game designer, you can't fall in love with the, can't fall in love with it until it, it, it's at that point where it's not not necessarily perfect because there's always things that can be done, but as perfect as you can get it, as scaled down as you can get it, as as close to what your initial idea for the game was and why you wanted people to play it and have fun and cut off all the fat that's on top of it. Right. And don't and there's nothing to be ashamed of of having that fat on there to trim because all of us all of us do it. Right. <laughs> Every time the first game comes out, there's so much there that may not make it to the end result. Yeah, and one of the the big learning experiences for me is uh, the Zinsleys from Cardboard Edison who did Tessin are working on just a completely different game now that's called, at least for right now, Cottage Industry. And, you know, the the first time I was at a game day with them, they broke it out. I played it and I said, oh my God, like I would would get this right now. And oh my, this is amazing. Like they say, yeah, we're we're looking for a publisher because we don't want to do the Kickstarter thing. So, you know, thank you. What? And so then we talked a little bit about, well, maybe tweak this, maybe tweak that. And then a couple, probably a month or two later, we sat down and played it again. And they said, okay, well, we changed all of these things. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, like, but the game was so great before. And then it was even better. <laughs> it was, And so that was also a moment for me to say, like, okay, even if that is like a core mechanic in the game, what if it's not there? It, it's worth trying. I'll be honest, we haven't you know, done Gothic Doctor to that extent because the main mechanic just seems so intuitive to me. But you know, things like action cards are things that got added in or the, uh, you know, the face up medical library was a, was an add in because, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, we're getting the same cards. I, I, it sucks to draw a card blind and get my third herbal remedy. So that's a bummer. <laughs> and that way, you know, if, if you have the option of taking cards face up, you can you know have more, more potential for variety there. So. Yeah. And again, the, you know, right now you're kind of playing around with the partial treatment variant and, mm-hmm. and some different ways to potentially play the game too. So that, that's always nice. And, you know, just even exploring that and seeing where you can take it. And if it ends up being something that's fairly favorable, even just adding it in as a variant, you've just added a little bit of potential, you know, replayability to the game, uh, to be able to play it a little bit different and for it to kind of, 
you know, be flexible with the gaming group as well. Yeah. Games like, I think the first game that really taught me how cool that could be was uh, Pandemic, where that expansion, the On the Brink expansion, added those, I think, four different ways to play it, and then you could mix and match them. It was just, you know, so cool. And, and that way, it keeps the game from getting old because you have these little variants that change how you play so much that it, it just adds that those extra levels to gameplay. So, Do we have anything else we need to talk about as far as the Kickstarter preview and taking feedback? I don't think so. I think just really think about, assume that you should take the feedback, and then if you can come up with a good reason why not to, go with that, rather than having to come up with a good reason to take it instead of not. I would say would be would be my main suggestion. All right. So take take every piece of feedback like it's potentially valuable. Right. But still run it through your filter as far as what your end goal is and how you see your project not only being presented, but again, like you're talking about, even during the Kickstarter itself, as you know, if if you're doing things well, you've probably got rules and gameplay videos and all that kind of stuff for people to check out. So you're going to get feedback on the game during the process as well. And again, that's something, you know, if people are offering you feedback, Doug kind of said this earlier, and I've actually made this comment to several people that I've been somewhat critical with on various things. And I always want to let them know this. And it's, you know what? I'm only giving this feedback because I care. Mm-hmm. And and Doug mentioned that it's these people. Uh, they've if if you're seeing the comments, then more than likely they've laid down money. <laughs> they they right. they are a backer, so they care. They they are somewhat invested. And yeah, sometimes you know the fact that I've, I've put a pledge down, I, I am now entitled, can come into it. But in the overall grand scheme of things, these are people that have suddenly become passionate about your project that you've been passionate about for a long time. It's brand new yeah. to them. So they are going to offer feedback. They are going to offer suggestions and you can't put them all in. It's, it's impossible. And it would be a whole different Kickstarter and you probably need more money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For sure. Yeah. And and just as a, for example, something that I thought of in terms of willingness to take feedback, we actually got rid of one of the levels that we originally had because people, the general consensus was that actually takes away from another level and some logistical issues. We had originally planned on doing like a quick prototype sort of copy for backers and sending that out shortly after uh, the Kickstarter ended. And we decided against that because we already have a level in there where people can get get a deck during the campaign. It's a limited level. Uh, and that's an idea I stole from uh, from Tessin from Van Ryder Games. You know, the, the general consensus on there was it's weird to have that and the other one. So one of them's got to go. And, you know, John and I talked about it and we decided that the during the campaign level is something that, that we really wanted to do. And so we're keeping that and we got rid of the other. But if you're not willing to get rid of a level, really ask yourself if you even want to bother getting feedback, I would say. Yes. And, you know, while we're talking about it, that's one of the areas I think if you're looking at trimming, you know, we're, we talked about trimming your game and, and making it as streamlined as possible. I would say do the same with your pledge level. You know, if you get to a point where you've got like 20 plus stretch levels and or, I mean, <laughs> right. uh, or 20 plus 20 plus levels and it's minor variations of this, that, and the other thing. And, and it just gets to a point where you've done information overload on somebody that was trying to scroll down to find a place to, to click and pledge potentially. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have five. Uh, yeah. I always say like, uh, yeah, five to seven is the sweet mm-hmm. spot. 10, you're pushing it. <laughs> but, right. 
beyond beyond that, you've probably lost some people in the. Uh, it, 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 they saw a squirrel or a shiny object on the way down the page. <laughs> right, and it's you know it's like trying to keep all of that in your mind. You know, it's like you for some of those, I feel like I have to go down one by one and say, okay, do I want this more than anything else I've seen? No. Okay. Do I want this more than anything else I've seen? It's you know a, a six minute process to decide which level I want. And all that analysis paralysis, you know, that's an issue in game design. It can be an issue on Kickstarter too. All right. So let's, uh, how about we go into, we've got various levels of news to kind of share, I think. Yeah. Uh, so should we go into some of that? You want me to go first? Yeah, for sure. You want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, to start with, uh, this past Tuesday, so that would be June 3rd, we did launch a new set of teaser Tuesdays working with John and Doug. We are looking at cards. We're exclusively spoiling. That, that was hard to get off the tongue. <laughs> cards every Tuesday starting this, this past one, June 3rd. So the last one will be June 24th, and that'll be you know the week before the launch of the new campaign. So uh, you can head over to allusgeeks.com, check out the Teaser Tuesday stuff, and that's going to be a blast. Our uh, first one here was the Lab Assistant. So you can go check out the Lab Assistant over on allusgeeks.com. So, like I said, three more coming. So uh, be on the lookout for those every Tuesday. And at, at least three more. Who knows? There oh, might be a surprise at there some point. There you go. <laughs> Stuff I don't even know, folks. That's right. Surprises <laughs> for you. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, next Tuesday, of course, we will have another teaser Tuesday. But we have just kind of firmed up that we are going to be running a contest as well with Gothic Doctor. So we're going to have not one, but two, it sounds like, review prototype copies to give away before the campaign launches. So we will run that for like three weeks, roughly. So let's see. We're going to start it on June 10th, uh, probably around noon central time. So that will go out to our social media and all that good stuff. And I'll share it out. And I'm sure Doug will share it out as well. Might yeah, I might a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, if you want. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pressure you there or anything. I, so, I just well, hate using Twitter. You know how I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is a burden. It's so, rough. Yeah, you know, we'll be doing that. You'll you'll be able to check out a new card, and you'll be able to uh, check out the contest. And of course, it's it's our normal uh, through raffle copter type contest. So it's going to be liking and following and all that good stuff. But as always, whenever we co-sponsor a contest, we do like to put in this simple entry for people that do not want to do all of that stuff. You can always do the simple entry on our co-sponsored contest, which will get you a uh, entry and. Uh, if you want more, though, you can dive into that and check out some of the other ways that we'll have to enter that contest. And again, that'll be for uh, giving away two copies to two individuals of the review slash prototype copies of Gothic Doctor. So you can actually get it and check it out. Uh, a nice printed copy before or shortly after the campaign launches here. That mm -hmm. is awesome. And then, uh, Doug, you've got some news. The big news uh, from Meltdown Games is that we have joined up with the Indie Game Alliance, which is run by uh, a guy who worked with Brotherwise Games to help them uh, promote Boss Monster, which maybe some of you have heard a little bit about. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he helped organize uh, some of their play events and stuff. And he sent me a message on Twitter about a month ago now and said, hey, you know, we're, we're starting this thing to help independent game designers get, you know, help each other out and get the word out about each other's games and uh, get to some playtesting in areas of the country that maybe you can't get to and uh, help out with that. 
my side of things with the community aspect, I just thought this is a home run for us. So John and I talked it over and, and looked at what they had to say and, and decided that, yeah, this was this is definitely the best course action to take. So that's the uh, the Indie Game Alliance. You can check out their website. So for designers, it's a way to get people to demo your games in places you can't get to. There's going to be some demos down in Florida, which obviously is a little travel prohibitive for me from New Jersey. I think California, a couple other places. The official title of the, the people who demo, they're called Minions, just kind of a fun theme they're going with there. So if you're interested, you can check them out at IndieGameAlliance.com, and they're going to be officially launching at Gen Con. So Matt, who's uh, running things over there, he and I have talked a little bit about having Gothic Doc to be one of the, the first games that they take to Kickstarter from there. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed being a success story that we can share with everybody at Gen Con. And they've signed a, a bunch of other studios, too. I'm not sure how public all of that information is, so I'll, I'll keep mum on that. But I am happy to say that Meltdown Games is uh, is one of the at least 10 that, that's working with them now. And so, yeah, so that's been great. So that's for, for designers. It can help you get your game out there. For players, it's a good way to get some free games that you can take to your local game store or conventions or whatever and promote. And uh, there's a reward system that's going to be put in place. I don't have all the details on that because I'm more on the designer end of things, but uh, you know, ways for you to get rewarded for helping get the word out there. So I, I really think it's a, a great win-win for everybody. I, I've talked to Matt a bunch, probably at least one email a day. He's been a hoot. Uh, Rebecca, who's working with him, has been a hoot. Yeah, we're just having a great time. And it's, you know, it's, it's another part of that, another dimension, of that community aspect, which is what they're really into. So I would definitely recommend checking them out, IndieGameAlliance.com. So what I actually heard was that you're email cheating on me. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically right. <laughs> so Jeff, yeah, Jeff, they they offer me something that that you can't. It's more <laughs> of like a it's like game bisexuality sort of thing going on here. So yeah, the Road to Relaunch Part Five, which is what this is, uh, we will put that in the show notes as well. We'll we'll throw a link in there. So that sounds like a a great project that I'll kind of keep an eye on. And who knows, maybe uh, we'll have to have a conversation at some point if I get somebody on for to talk about Indie Game Alliance. Yeah, my guess is he'd be happy to come on. I can uh, I can check with him about that. Then we are going to talk about Kickstarter news. We're just full of news today, people. This, you know what? Here, let's. You want me to lead you in with uh, the regular geek news uh, <laughs> intro? Sure, go go for it. I've, I've always wanted to be on geek news. <laughs> and now it's time for geek news. <laughs> but your voice isn't doing that echoey thing, had it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's been a long day. <laughs> Can't, can't get can't get the reverb uh, uh, out of my vocal cords right now. <laughs> so uh, Kickstarter has made some changes somewhat recently. Some of these aren't like uh, some of these are like within the last week. Some of them are have been implemented since Doug and I talked last, and we just kind of thought we'd talk about them briefly from the aspect of him as somebody that has used Kickstarter in the past and is about to use it again and how it might affect or uh, be a positive or a negative, uh, depending on how he sees them for his campaign. So the first one we were going to talk about, the stuff that's been announced here recently is one, the simplified rules for Kickstarter. So basically, I mean, the reality of it is they really haven't changed. (laughs) Right. It's basically they went from paragraphs and ambiguity to bullet points and here's what we really meant. <laughs> that, that's kind of how I, I've taken them. So they bullet pointed out that if you're creating a project, it has to create something that you're sharing with other people. There you go. Uh, so you can't just 
throw up a project and say, give me money and I'll, I'll get a house. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wave. I will, you know, I was going to say, I'll make a video fanning myself with uh, the money that you sent me, but you're actually creating something there. I guess. Yeah, that's, that's legal. <laughs> <laughs> Projects must be honest and clearly presented. That's kind of always been there. It's just, and it's still to me, <laughs> I, I don't know how you feel, Doug, but that's still kind of a vague, touchy-feely kind of uh, a thing for somebody to present. I mean, it makes sense. I, I understand it from my moral standards. Sure. <laughs> but somebody else's moral standards, that might mean something completely different. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think simplifying any rules is good. I'm one of the I'm on the uh, teacher side of the, the guest Venn diagram. And one of my big things is that in the classroom, I don't usually give rules at the start of the year. And almost, I would say I could count on one hand the number of rules that I actually ever state throughout the year because you know, I, I teach high schoolers and the expectation is, you know what's appropriate and you know what's not. So I shouldn't have to tell you, don't spit on the floor. We don't need to go over that. And I think the more rules you give somebody, the more they think, okay, well, this isn't against the rules, so I can do it. There's a way around it. Yeah. Right. They spit on the floor and then it's, well, you never said we couldn't spit on the floor. You said we couldn't spit on each other. And so, yeah, I think simplifying rules is almost always the way to go. I also think it, it helps remove Kickstarter a little bit from some of the liability issues that, that might be coming down the pike. You know, there's that recent lawsuit out in, I think, Washington state, where it seems really clear that somebody had no intention of ever following through on the, on the project and took the money anyway. And now they're, now the backers are suing, which I think is great. And so I don't know if this is part, if this is something for Kickstarter to sort of insulate themselves from that. I'm not sure though. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I think, again, it kind of simplifies. Uh, we've got one more to cover, people. I haven't forgot. It kind of simplifies what they've always kind of said. Uh, again, just the, it's not as paragraphed out. And so it's, right. it's very simplified. But on the other end, I think it also kind of, it opens the doors for other projects that previously were kind of prohibited. So there, there are certain things that you just, you know, you couldn't do projects for and, and they would, they would get cut off at the source where now the rewording and just bullet pointing these three items and taking out some of the other stuff really allows for some of those other projects to come along. And some of the stuff like, uh, you know, one of the things I can think of is like self-help programs and stuff like that, which, you know, and that that's not our area of expertise or anything, but those are one of the things that were prohibited and not really allowed on Kickstarter before. This can potentially open up for the, those kind of people and those kind of projects to come on board. Right. Time will tell if that's a good or a bad thing, but I, I do think having these simplified criteria, are you giving something are you, that you're sharing with other people? Uh, is it honest and clearly presented and stuff like that? If you can meet those criteria, then why shouldn't you use this platform that is about funding your creation and sharing your dream and that kind of stuff and seeing if other people believe in it as much as you do? And still plenty of things are restricted. So Gothic right. Doctor won't be able to come with uh, opium as a stretch goal. Which <laughs> right. We really had our fingers crossed. The third item is uh, the one that whenever anybody asks me why Atlas Geeks hasn't done a fundraiser this or hasn't done a Kickstarter, this is the one that is the biggest reason why we probably never will. Projects cannot fundraise for charity, offer financial incentives, or involve prohibited items. Obviously, Allus Geeks is very much about the prohibitive items. <laughs> Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, during our pledge drive, we do like to give to charity 
whenever we do something like and it's in a uh, pledge drive or a donation form, we like to have the possibility of giving to charity if we can. And and that's one of the reasons why we haven't done a Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I've never quite understood why that was. But why, um, why we like to give to charity? <laughs> <laughs> Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, whoever you're giving money to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that the the restriction on Kickstarter. It, I if you're upfront about it, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I I don't know. I the only thing I can, you know, I, I again I can't totally speak for them, but I guess partially it could be, you know, that's one of those things that. Oh yeah, I I gave half to charity. I, that charity's name True. is Jeff King, but <laughs> True. you know, I I don't know if maybe it's that, maybe it's, you know, the fact that it's a little harder to prove and and represent properly. That mm-hmm. that I guess is one of the things I could kind of see, but yeah, if it if they if that wasn't involved, I'd maybe think about going the Kickstarter route. Obviously, I talk about Kickstarter all the time. I, I am active as far as a Kickstarter community is concerned, but I really do like, you know, like you were talking about earlier, we're both into things for the community aspect as well. And right. part of that for me is everything I've ever done in the gaming side of things, somewhere along the line, I've brought charity into it. Mm-hmm. And giving back either to the local community that I've run, you know, like local conventions in or, uh, you know, like we did the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund for our last pledge right. drive. I've done things for the the Memorial Fund in the past. I've worked with Ronald McDonald House, the Boys and Girls Club of America here in our local chapters and stuff. So to me, that's a big part of why I'm here and why I'm around. So I don't want to raise more money, but not be able to do something with it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. And then uh, one of the other things that we talked about before we started recording, and it was sounded like it was still kind of new to you too, is the fact that Kickstarter has now implemented and allowed people to be able to change their addresses after a survey has been submitted. So that is awesome. That does help take away some of either people having to wait until the very last second to send a survey. And some people potentially use those surveys for knowing about add-ons and all that other stuff. So, you know, sometimes you want that information as quickly as possible because that's part of your ordering process. Right. And that may also be a way to try to help people move away from some of the third party ones that, that have come out that make it easier to change your, uh, your, your addresses for a fee. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just think that's just, just a great move on Kickstarter's part. I still kind of hope they are potentially, uh, moving towards something like allowing for multiple surveys or, you know, or, or something like that. Cause right now it's still, uh, as far one as I know, level. it's still one survey per level. And uh, once that goes out, that's it. But they they do have that once, and I'm not 100% sure on the backside of things how it works, but I believe it's basically once you can kind of go in and say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to ship this here soon. And uh, you can let your backers know, and they can actually go into the old survey and change their address. And I've done it four or five times now since I've moved recently and have <laughs> stuff that had backed a year ago. And so far I've had 
two things I think show up at my old house because they didn't let mm. me know that they were shipping. But other than that, I've been able to catch almost everything ahead of time. So that has been a great thing, a great implementation. And so it's it's a step in the right direction and it's helpful for both the project owners and the backers and hopefully they continue in, in that path. Yeah. All right. And then the last one, the launch now button, which yes. uh, we haven't, John and I haven't decided what we're going to do with ours, whether we're going to send it through the normal review process or whether we're going to do the launch now. But basically what that allows you to do is hit it and automatically approve your project. Now, of course, if they get complaints about something or there's a concern about something, then you know that could lead to the unpleasant thing of uh, having your, your project pulled, which would be about the last thing I would ever want to have happen. Yeah, it is. It is a way to streamline, which, you know, going into it last time a year ago over Memorial Day weekend when John and I finished everything for the first project, we're like, okay, it's Memorial Day. Let's hit the launch button. It's a a great day to start, (laughs) you know, holiday weekends, wonderful time to start a project, having not been on the Facebook forums yet. And they said, okay, we send it to review. And we went, what? So, so yeah, this is a way to, to streamline that process, which I think is, is great. It's a kind of automated algorithmed process that is consistently going on, if I remember correctly. So one of the things is you could also kind of go through that process and, and get approval. And then after the approval, you could change anything you wanted to. Right. And, and launch basically looking completely different than what you submitted for the approval process. Right. I think you can still change stuff and, and there's a lot of things you can do, but there are going to be some key points that they're kind of looking for. And uh, if you change away from those key points, it's not going to let you launch uh, unless an actual employee comes through and reviews it, I, I believe. so. <laughs> but it also definitely puts a little more power in the creator's hands to, one, get kind of a quick behind-the-scenes check, uh, a little checklisty kind of thing. Yep, you're, you're ready to go. You can launch now. You see the Launch Now button, so you're good to go. And so you, you kind of know you've at least passed some basic level of inspection. <laughs> so, so that's a good thing. Yeah. And then to be able to, to, to launch when you're ready. Cause you know, going through the approval process, it's the same thing. Just because you have the launch now button, you don't have to, you can wait, but at least it's there. And you just got to be kind of maybe a little weary of making massive changes once you've already got the launch now button because you are still being evaluated while you make changes until you actually launch. But I, I definitely see it as a good thing as well. Yeah, yeah. What do we got now? Yeah, so last time we talked about uh, some of the marketing that I was doing and thinking not so much about marketing. Today, I was figuring we'd talk a little bit more about some explicit marketing, okay. you know, stuff that really very much can't be considered community building or any of that stuff. Uh, advertising. Let's start at, at this point. So have you and John actually kind of set up a marketing slash advertising budget that you're trying to stay in? Not so much, to be perfectly honest. Okay. We have some slush fund from a, a couple different things, and we're going to be dipping into that. But basically, we just looked at what are reasonably priced, have a pretty good return on investment from you know some of the info we've looked at, and going in that direction. So there's a, a couple different websites we're going to advertise with. Only one of them for more than a uh, hundred bucks. Our big expense actually is for Dexcon, which is a, a double exposure event in Morristown, New Jersey, which is actually the the first place I ever played Gothic Doctor publicly. So we're going to 
have the inside front page of their program book. Okay. Since Gothic Doctor will be live at that point, more than half of our advertising budget is going to get that just because that's that's a good get. Right. And then are you guys going to be there as well? Yeah, I'm going to be up there. Getting into or out of D.C. anywhere around 4th of July is, is difficult. <laughs> right. So uh, John, John's going to be down there. But yeah, I'm going to be up at Dexcon the 3rd, the 5th, and the 6th. I'm skipping the 4th because my wife was, was adamant about the holiday. Yeah, the 3rd, the 5th, and the 6th, I'll be up there. So yeah, so we have that as a print ad and then a couple uh, internet ads. Some of them are people we know, and then uh, some of them are people that, you know, through some research we found, as good places to, to advertise with, with, uh, you know, reasonable rates and, and good return on investment. Okay. But what was interesting to me when we were looking into it was some of the data on some of the bigger sites, the indication seems to be that maybe it's not entirely worth it. And, you know, in keeping with generally not trying to say anything bad about anybody, there's some sites I really like a lot that just from what I've heard and from what data I've seen, just really aren't worth the expense. And so when you're looking into it, make sure you, you really do your homework and, and talk to people who have used those services and make sure they think that, that yeah, they got their money's worth for it because, uh, you know, you want to target your money properly. Definitely. Yeah. There, I mean, there's some back and forth on that and, and you can kind of walk both lines and, and it's, uh, I think at the end of the day, it's, it it does have to be something that you have to be comfortable with, understand the money you're spending for it, and what are you trying to get out of it? And I got to be honest, I think in general, I, I think you should be looking for additional exposure, but not necessarily trying to convert it into hardcore pledges necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, in general, obviously, yes, you're looking for extra pledges and, and you want uh, your project to be successful. And that is possible. But yeah, I, I've kind of seen the numbers on both sides as well, kind of like you're talking about. And, and just talking, you know, just the, the data side of things is where you might see a, a bump in page views, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you're going to get pledges. Right. And on the other thing too, the, the other thing to kind of keep in mind, and, and this is, this is a good thing to kind of keep in mind too, when you're looking at the metrics and all that stuff and you're trying to figure all that out. And there are plenty of people that have talked about metrics and where they think that that traffic has come from. But you know, you might see a lot of people come back later. Mm -hmm. So you potentially don't know how unless they tell you, unless you actually start asking. I mean, I, I've seen some people start asking in surveys and stuff like that. And then it's still on, does the person want to answer that question or do they just want you to have their address and give give me what I pledged for kind of thing. <laughs> right. But yeah, you, you kind of got to watch out for some of that stuff. And, and again, I'm not here to say yay or nay on either side of it. I'm here to say be comfortable with what you're spending and and how you're spending it and and maybe think of it outside of conversion to pledges because that may not happen and you're going to dis you potentially disappoint yourself up front. Yeah, in terms of paying for things, I've seen this question a couple times on the on the Kickstarter forum and I wanted to talk about this here. The issue of what you should and shouldn't pay for. Right. Interviews. I'm deep in a lot of this too, so I've got uh, yeah. several examples of various things that we can we can discuss. <laughs> yeah, paying for interviews. So don't do it would be the the strongest possible advice I can give you. I completely concur. So if you've ever launched a project 
you already know this. If you haven't launched a project yet, here's what's going to happen when you hit that launch button. You're going to start getting emails from people you've never heard of before from companies that are amazing, that do all these wonderful things that somehow you've never heard of before that have a reach of, you know, 10 million viewers every hour or whatever that you've never heard of before. And they're going to offer you something at a pretty reasonable rate because they're in it for you. The one that I saw recently was somebody for $5. I don't know if you saw this one was going to. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It just, it just dawned on me. Yeah. <laughs> The, that Kickstarter's algorithm is based on comments and shares and pledges, which I believe. And so for $5, this person would pledge a dollar, leave a positive comment, and share it. Yes. <laughs> so for every $5 you spend, you can get a dollar pledge. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and that one comment is going to make all the difference on the Kickstarter algorithm. It's going to suddenly you're going to be the, the number one game instead of being the the 12th or 80th or whatever game. Yeah. You know, here, here's one of the things I want to say about this topic because, you know, and, and Doug and I have talked about this offline and it's not just Doug. I, uh, th there's a, 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 a number of people that are going around like this $5 one and some other things and, and the, uh, pay, pay to be interviewed and all that good stuff. And, uh, I, I've kind of, had a bit of traffic on that asking where I fall, what do I think? And, and I should do this right. And that kind of stuff. And 100% no, <laughs> you should not. And I actually recently seen a project that was struggling, did struggle, did not fund, I think. And they ended up, I think, canceling, but did not fund. And in the, that last minute desperation, they reached out and paid for the interview. And you know what? Nothing changed. Yeah. Nothing changed. All of this wonderful traffic that this person was supposedly bringing them, all of these people that will follow them to the end of the earth didn't show up. There are valid things to spend your marketing budget on if you have a marketing budget. And there are things like, you know, if you want to pay for a paid preview, if you want to pay to do a contest on BGG or run an ad on BGG or run an ad somewhere else or whatever, that's all well and good. And that kind of goes back to Doug and I saying, be comfortable where you're spending your money and what you potentially want to get out of it and what you will right. get out of it and doing the research for it up front. But things like providing somebody with their content and anybody that comes at you and right out of the gate is selling you the, you know, amazing, wonderful things that I can do for you. And you, you know, all of that kind of stuff is, you know, it, it goes back to the old saying, if it's too good to be true, it probably <laughs> is. And I am 100% on board with, with the fact that you should not have to pay for an interview. There are plenty of us out there that do interviews that are happy to, I mean, the big thing is planning. You know, it, it is going to be hard to say, hey, I'm launching tomorrow uh, for people that do have any type of following. I might have been doing this for a while. We book up. I'm I'm actually looking at August right now with, with all of my interviews. And I think the only reason I'm still looking at August right now is because August is going to be a lighter month for Kickstarters. Because <laughs> as far back as at least another month ago, uh, if not farther back, I was looking at August. So I've been booked through August for a while now. And, and, and I'm one of those people that I hate to say no, if, if I can get somebody in, in my schedule. Uh, but I do have a set schedule because that was my other thing. I, I wouldn't say no to people. Right. So, Even uh, if you get contacted by, uh, two idiots who are trying to get reviews <laughs> in their, uh, at the end of their second week of their Kickstarter. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it, it's more a planning thing. If it's something you know you want to do, and, and I fully encourage it. I fully encourage as part of your marketing campaign, get out there, do some interviews, do some some podcasts, do some written review interviews and stuff like that. All it's going to cost you in that aspect, all it should cost you is some time. Yeah, for sure. And lest anybody think that I, Jeff and I had a conversation before this about people who just contacted him. I'm talking about me and John uh, in our <laughs> <Yeah>. last project. So <laughs> yeah, we, we've covered that in the past, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a very late, late, late uh, request. And <laughs> I, uh, back, back then I, I had some extra time and I still That's do that every once in a while. If I, if I get the time, I can get the game in. I, I'm always more than happy to help somebody out. But on the, on the other end of that, then, so talking, talking about things and, and where to spend money again, plan ahead, please plan ahead. And that's one of the things that I try to encourage all the time. I don't charge for reviews, but I do charge a rush review if you don't give me your game at least two months in advance. And cause again, I'm scheduled through at least mid August on what I'm reviewing, what I can do videos for all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, there might be some leeway for me to do a rush, but it's, that's going to cost you. Cause I do have to rearrange my schedule, rearrange schedules with some other people. And that's where we do charge. Mm-hmm. And really it is just the whole idea of us having a rush review fee was my attempt to basically put it out there and say, please think of your reviewers earlier in the process versus later in the process. Right. It's not that you were uh, laughing all the way to the bank with the $45 we paid you for the next week review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to that, there is the pretty commonplace for the, the paid previews. The previews have kind of come synonymous with paid advertising that's why we stopped calling ours game previews because we don't do paid advertising previews we actually um just it's it's a quicker look at your game but it's not a hey you know they paid us to tell you about this kind of thing which is kind of become synonymous in the video space and again there's nothing wrong with that and uh if it's if it's something that you're looking to do if it's something that you think will help draw traffic to your project go for it if you have the money to do it just remember it doesn't always 100 percent equate over to hey uh you know a thousand two thousand people five thousand people looked at this video from this paid preview that means I get 5,000 backers, right? No. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about in, in that space? I think that's, yeah, I think we're good there. All right. So I, I think we've gone down our checklist. Do we have uh, anything else we need to make sure we cover? I think we are square for this episode. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Part five of the road to relaunch for Gothic Doctor. Again, we are coming up very soon on this project. July 1st is yeah. really just around the corner. 10 a.m. <laughs> oh, you're right away in the morning, too, huh? Right away in the morning. Nice. So, yeah, we have uh, this, and uh, the idea is we will be recording one in July. Uh, we've already kind of put one on the books, and that one will get out as quick as possible because we're going to... Uh, Go old school with that one. It's going to be the uh, normal game of crowdfunding interview uh, where at least Doug and I will sit down, but maybe we'll be able to get John as involved as well. We're looking at schedules, but mm-hmm. we're going to do the uh, the interview. And then, you know, again, uh, let's not forget that the idea that 
Doug and I have talked about is we are going to follow this through fulfillment. So once all of you great people help us make this awesome game successful, we will be talking about sending things off to the printer and getting proofs and shipping and all of those wonderful things that happen after you've uh, seen your money go through the Amazon account and and over to Doug and John. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) So that is coming up. And again, let me just remind everybody, Teaser Tuesdays over on the allusgeeks.com website. Every Tuesday, uh, we're going to be spoiling a new Gothic Doctor card here. And then next Tuesday, which is June 10th, 2014, we're going to start the contest for uh, two prototypes. So two lucky winners will each get a prototype. And uh, that will be going until the end of June. So we will have that contest going on starting next Tuesday as well. As always, we uh, didn't mention this up front, but let me mention it in the backside. You know, we will be doing an interview but in next month. But if there is something still that you want us to cover that has to do with the Kickstarter process, from, especially from an independent gamer aspect and or from relaunching a project aspect, uh, if there's something that you're still struggling with, let us know. Uh, again, you can do info at meltdowngames.com or podcast at allusgeeks.com. Either one of those, shoot us an email. Let us know the topic you want us to cover. Doug and I are more than happy to discuss it. It's uh, one of the things that kind of keeps us going here, and we're we're happy to share as much information as possible. So uh, let us know if there's something we need to cover. All right, Doug, I think that's going to do it for us. I'm good. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. And make sure you come back for part six, where I ask questions and Doug answers, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you send us more. Uh, Yeah, we'll be doing the interview. So be on the lookout again, July 1st, Gothic doctor. Let's get, uh, let's get backing that on day one. Let's, let's get some day one backing. All right. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the geek cast network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com where you will find podcasts such as two bald geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The Geek Cast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com. 